Welcome to Culture Factor. I'm your host, Holly Shannon. Our new season looks at creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Why? Because the gig economy is emerging. Talent has gone to work for themselves. Whether furloughed or part of the great resignation, they've birthed the big idea, and those 57 million Americans are contributing more than $1 trillion to the U.S. economy annually. This is what the new normal looks like. You now have a front row seat to creator culture and into the places where the magic is being made. Subscribe now to Culture Factor so your ears are treated to some of the best stories around the world. And if you take the time to rate, review, and share this, please send me the screenshot and I'll give you a shout out on my show. Please reach out if you'd like to sponsor Culture Factor. It is your opportunity to be a part of a show that is ranked in the top 2% globally and heard in over 77 countries. Email holly at hollyshannon.com to be a part of this global audience. Hello, Culture Factor family. Today I have Jenna Spinelli with me, and she loves a good story and has spent the past 15 years telling them as a writer, podcaster, and marketing professional. She is the communication specialist for the McCourtney Institute for Democracy at Penn State, where she hosts and produces the Democracy Works podcast in collaboration with WPSU, which is Central Pennsylvania's NPR station. She is also the founder of the Democracy Group podcast network and co-host of the Higher Education Social Podcast. What's so interesting to me when I met Jenna at Podcast Movement is that When she's not podcasting, she's teaching classes on journalism, independent content creation, and the gig economy at Penn State's Donald P. Belisario College of Communications. And it's why I got so excited to have her on the show as we're talking about the burgeoning gig economy, um, not just from those who are furloughed, but those who are part of the great resignation. Um, however, she is nurturing a whole um, uprising of probably Gen Z students into the art of freelancing. So without further ado, let me say hello, Jenna Spinelli to Culture Factor. Hey, Holly, thanks so much for having me. Uh, Glad to be here. Fantastic. So let's dive right into this because this part is so incredible to me. So you are teaching independent content creation and the gig economy within an institution that would normally teach uh, students how to upskill themselves and set themselves up for, you know, a Fortune 100 company per se, or a career in a corporate environment. Um, so, you know, entrepreneurship is typically skipped over. So, what inspired you to ask Penn State to focus on this? Well, you know, it was exactly what you just said. There is so much emphasis in the higher education space on career development 
announcements and networking with companies and job fairs and all the rest of it. And none of that is is bad. I, I don't want to, to talk negatively about that. I think that is a great thing that universities provide, you know, especially places like Penn State, which has such a large alumni network. So leveraging those those connections and helping students get jobs is absolutely a good thing. But you know, I did see this need that there was this whole other thing kind of happening, particularly within media and communications that wasn't really being addressed. And that is the the creator economy, the idea that students could go on to become their own content entrepreneurs. Um, they could sustain themselves financially through newsletters, through podcasting, through sites like medium or some combination therein. Um, so I just, I thought that that skill set and that entrepreneurial mindset was important to cover. And, uh, you know, thankfully Penn state and, and I'm sure many other universities as well have, have a way for instructors, new courses and kind of test them out, uh, and see how they go. And then if it goes well, if there's enough interest from students, um, then you can work through the the appropriate channels to have a course permanently made part of a curriculum. So I'm teaching a one credit seminar this fall semester, fall of 2021 on independent content creation. Uh, it's going really well so far. Uh, if the you know student reviews and all of those things come in well, uh, I will hopefully be on the, the path to having it become a permanent part of the communications curriculum at the university. That's really incredible. And um, you know, as somebody who has worked in corporate America for 15 plus years um, and been to through the university process and working with alumni and networking, um, this is by no means saying one is better than the other or disparaging uh, what these universities offer to people. I think there are so many facets to people. And I think the thing that I was not taught in school is that I could do more than one thing, that I could work um, at a company and I can pursue four passion projects if I wanted to. I could start a podcast, I could start a newsletter, I could start all types of content creation. So um, I'm really excited that the school recognized that there was a conversation to be had there, um, and more importantly, that you recognized it and brought it to their attention. I, th I think that's really, really massive. Um, so let me jump back a little bit, because I think what maybe inspired you a little bit to start thinking about that was your personal use of Upwork. Is that correct? That's right. So, uh, you know, I have always been a freelancer. Um, I, I graduated with a journalism degree in 2008, which was not a great time to get a job in journalism, right? It's sort of the height of the Great Recession. So I made a different decision to go into marketing and PR, but I always still kept one foot in, in journalism, freelancing, you know, at first for, for local publications. Uh, and then you know, through sites like Upwork and, and starting to get some other connections within the freelance writing world, starting to, to branch out from there. Um, but it's, it's always been this concept of a side hustle, um, which applies 
both to taking gigs on Upwork and even to you know, being your own independent content creator. Um, a lot of the the guest speakers that I've had in, in class and some of the examples we've looked at, you know, they're doing, just as you said, they're doing these things, they're, they're content projects on the side. They work full-time somewhere else and they're, or they have other things that they do. Um, and this is just whether for passion or for a little bit of, of passion and side income, uh, they're doing these, these projects. So um, that was something that uh, you're right. It did start with uh, my my work on Upwork, um, which was another class that I taught at Penn State uh, last year, that kind of one credit seminar, again, um, where students created Upwork profiles and actually went on and bid on gigs. Um, I could not grade them, of course, on whether they got the gig or how well they did, but we were they were graded on how much effort put into it, how they position themselves, how they, in some cases, they needed to create work samples and, you know, really how they created their, um, their, their profiles and, and how much effort they put into applying for jobs on the site. So um, that worked well, but it was really um, my learning from that was that an undergraduate audience maybe wasn't the right fit for that particular course. Um, I did also uh, give a talk to a graduate program at the University of Chicago and uh, for for a colleague of mine who teaches there. And it seems like that graduate, like the PhD audience is really the more kind of right fit for the Upwork model. The, these are folks who are serious. You know, they're in in some cases humanities or social sciences PhDs who don't want to go, it don't, don't want to go the job route. So they're looking for different career paths or again, how to supplement their income. So they were very much interested in Upwork and very motivated to create profiles and go bid on jobs more so than my undergrads were. I think they saw it in some cases as just like one more thing to do. Like they didn't really need the money. They didn't um, maybe see as much value in it as that graduate level audience did. So that was another thing that sort of led me to to pivot a little bit um, to more of this content creator type of, of curriculum. That is so interesting. Uh, I would have thought that they would have been extremely fired up. And uh, but what is also interesting is that I think you need to be hungry for either the creation side of it or because you want to make money. Um, and if they are not in that place at that point in time, say as, you know, incoming freshmen or sophomore, if they're just not there yet, um, I could see how that would happen. Um, I had read that you had introduced podcasts to uh, a different generation. I'm going to say maybe you know, Elder X and Boomer. Um, so I'm wondering, do you think that there is um, a place to do some sort of um, continuing education program with that subset so that, because there's there's so much expertise out there, right? Like, and, and they're turning to consulting and coaching. I would think that they would be ripe for Jenna Spinelli right now. <laughs> 
Yeah, that that is something that I've I've thought about. I did actually have a conversation uh, with the continuing education department at Penn State about doing a version of that Upwork class, like an online self-directed type of thing um, that didn't end up working out because COVID hit, but um, that is something I'm open to. And, and I think you're right that there is, you know, this generation, you know, people who are just recently retired have time on their hands. They maybe don't want to quit working altogether, but they want to be able to work more on their own terms. Right. And so they can take gigs here and there, get a little pocket money or, you know, whatever they need financially, um, but still have that kind of retirement lifestyle, you know, just, uh, and, and, you, and you're right. There's a lot of expertise. I think once you can get past the, the, the technical piece of it, of creating a profile of, you know, bidding on gigs, how the, the mechanics of it work, I think there is, you know, definitely potential there. And, and there are already people out there doing this. There are, you know, consultants and coaches who specialize in helping, you know, boomers and older folks become familiar with the gig economy, not, not just Upwork, but Fiverr and even, you know, things like Uber, just helping people sort of figure out how to make sense of, of this world. So I certainly, if I would ever decide to, to pursue this at the, at the, the training level or the, you know, professional development level, I certainly would not be the first. There are already lots of, of folks out there who are, who are doing that work. It's so interesting, the whole freelance economy, how colorful it is and, and varied. So there's a place for everybody. Uh, I'm curious, um, of your students, were there any some, did any of them really latch onto it and create some sort of interesting gig that you could share with us? Yeah, sure. So there, there are two I can think of. Um, so I had one student who was, uh, I believe, an English major, but she had experience um, doing uh, like paralegal type of work. She they they they, they had a, a family friend who had a law firm, and so she just started helping them out doing paralegal work. You know, basic contracts and estates and like wills and and that type of thing. So she was able to find Upwork gigs doing that work for other law firms. And that's something I would have never told you that I didn't, I did not expect that going in. Um, but that was just sort of a, a unique situation for that one student. Um, I also had someone who had uh, worked on, she was part of one of the, the political groups on campus, I believe it was the, the college Democrats, but she had done a lot of social media graphics and other content sort of in, in the political space and was able to find some other gigs with nonprofits and think tanks that were in, in a similar space. So I know that she had at least one or two um, you know recurring gigs that she got doing social media, graphic design, um, things like that. Um, I also had a student who was an information scientist and technology major. So he did like web development and design and was able to find gigs there too. Um, so it was, it was really great just to see all the, the, the breadth of the skills that students brought to this. I thought I would have like a bunch of writers or, you know, maybe, um, you know, so just like all marketing or, or PR, but it, but it really, it really was a mix. And that was, that was a challenge 
for me too, in, in a good way to be able to, you know, work with everybody to sort of meet them where they were and, and help them get the most out of the platform. I'm often asked, does my business need a podcast? My answer is yes, that nothing else is the fast track into thought leadership and being established and seen as the expert in your industry as podcasting. What's increasingly evident is that it's a branding machine. It kicks doors open for you to have conversations with leaders. It creates a pathway to partnerships and connections on a deeper level. You will not be your industry's best kept secret. Your ideas and business will have global reach. So step into your power. Go to hollyshannon.com to launch your podcast now. And now back to our interview. As a professor, like, do you offer ideas for the students? Because I think that's where the hiccup is for anybody, not just students. They, they sort of sit down at the table and say, okay, well, I'm going to create a profile on Fiverr or Upwork or Contra or one of these. Um, well, what can I sell? Like, what can I do? I mean, it, you don't have to be a college student to have those questions and decide to use these platforms. So, you know, just from what you said, somebody who's helping out with contract work, um, maybe somebody who's doing graphic design, they could offer up um, to create podcast art or logos or something like, are, do you give your students like several ideas based on the relative interests in the classroom? I do. Yeah. So I, I taught the Upwork class entirely on Zoom. We were uh, remote all last year. So that was a little bit more difficult to do, but I was able to, you know, ha have breakout rooms and office hours and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, the other thing that I sort of tried to impress upon them across the board was that they're all members of Gen Z and that is a skill that they can bring to the table. You know, how many companies are out there looking to reach Gen Z? How can we reach this, this demographic? So that's a skill. That's something that they can highlight on their profile or even the fact that like they're college students, that doesn't have to be a bad thing necessarily, you know, companies hire all the time and you know, college ambassadors or, you know, people who are specifically, you know, companies that specifically want to target college students would hire other students to figure out how to do that or to actually do the work for them in some cases, uh, you know, that could be through social media. It could be through like designing flyers to put up around campus or the, you know, various other ways that, uh, there are to, to reach students. So that's something that, that applies, uh, you know, like I said, across the board. Um, and that, that carries through to, to the independent content creation class. I've been working where we're back in person this semester. So I've been working with the, the students on coming up with their ideas for their content venture. What are they going to talk about? What niche are they going to serve? What do they bring to the table? Um, so we started off, they had to pitch me five ideas and then they whittled it down to three. And now we're at the point where we're whittling that down to one and they're working on audience development and monetization plans and trying to figure out how they would actually carry this thing through to fruition. If, if they wanted to, they don't actually have to launch anything. Um, but my goal is for them to have a, a proof of concept that is fully fleshed out enough that they could 
launch it after the class ends if they wanted to. That's phenomenal. I think that's such a gift that you're giving them because it's getting them to think about how they are marketable and they may not have refined a specific skill yet. Like maybe they just don't feel like they're ready to launch themselves as a graphic designer, uh, but you're giving them all of the tools. You know, what comes to mind for me for these Gen Z, especially for Gen Z, uh, I think it also could apply to millennial. Um, a lot of companies want to um, sell to them. So, you know, they could create um, something on Upwork where they offer to audit a website. They offer to audit uh, an Instagram profile, a LinkedIn profile, a business Instagram profile, whatever that happens to be, a Shopify account that they offer to audit it from their perspective. Because if that company, if they, if it is an app that is selling something that was built by somebody who's say an elder millennial or X generation, they may not, you know, they're thinking from the, the framework of their experience and not from your classroom who's sitting there. So I would think that that would be like a really great way for them to get out there if they don't feel like they have like a tangible skill yet. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great idea. Uh, and that was sort of, I didn't, didn't articulate it in, in quite that way, but that's what I had in my mind when I was saying that they should position themselves as experts on Gen Z because they are members of Gen Z. Um, but actually one of my students this semester um, is working on a proof of concept for a newsletter that is an explainer about Gen Z for millennials. So just what you said, there are often, you know, elder millennials working in marketing roles at these companies that also want to reach Gen Z. And I think those two generations get lumped together a lot, but really they're quite different in terms of their habits and their media consumption. So um, my, my student is pitching this, you know, Gen Z explainer newsletter that she would target to millennials who work in marketing and PR. And I think that's just brilliant. Um, I, I hope she launches it after, after she finishes the class, because I, I think you're right. There is a tremendous amount of opportunity there. I, what you're doing is just like off the charts. I think it is really groundbreaking because I don't really think that um, schools are looking at how to teach their students that it's okay to be an entrepreneur as well. But at the same time, would you say that you're also nurturing the intrapreneur in them? So while they may not go on to open their own business or to see through their Upwork profile, they're learning how to create and to be innovative. And I think companies would love that, like because they want people working for them that aren't just showing up and following uh, standard operating procedures for whatever job, like they want them to be thinking outside of the box and be an intrapreneur. So would you say you're training them for that as well? I hope so. And I mean, that is something I, I talk about and draw from 
my own experience, you know, doing freelance work, uh, you know, particularly when I was working with different organizations and different companies on Upwork, that just gave me such a window into how the world outside of higher ed operates. Uh, I think, you know, higher ed, we're sort of married to the academic calendar. It's easy to fall into the the rhythm of, well, we're going to just do everything the same way we did it last year and just go on and on ad infinitum. Um, but seeing seeing how the you know private sector and, and other other places did things gave me some of that entrepreneurial spirit, some of those ideas to bring back to my teams that that I work with at Penn State. Uh, and so that that's been really helpful for me. And it is it is a sentiment that I, I try to convey to my students that, look, this is not the be all end all. There are still principles from what you're learning here that you can take forward, even if you know you do end up going the more traditional, I'm using air quotes, job path of, of going to work for a company. I think what you're teaching them is AQ, which is the adaptability quotient, right? Like you're teaching them that they can adapt in their job. They can um, really recreate themselves in it, just like you kind of did at Penn State. You recreated yourself in there and found this window of opportunity that wasn't being talked about. Um, I think companies want the people who work for them to be creative, especially now, I think it's, um, they don't want somebody who's just gonna come in and be highly proficient in one thing. I think they want them to be adaptable or to notice that the company needs to be adaptable in some way. So I think it's really cool that you experienced that and you're teaching that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful to the, the faculty in Belisario, our uh, communications college, who who believed in in that kind of spirit and that mission, and and saw the value in in teaching it. I see this uh, spilling over into other universities. I think you might be on the precipice of something really incredible here. When I when I um, had you know met you uh, a while back in Nashville. Um, I found that part really fascinating that you came up with that. So, um, so here's to higher education taking uh, taking a, a cue from Jenna Spinelli. <laughs> yeah, and if if any of your listeners work in, in higher ed or know of similar programs or courses at other universities, I would love to to hear about it and and maybe start to form a community of people who are are teaching this this type of, of material across the country or or even around the world. I think it's super. Thank you so much, Jenna. This was so informative and I think it gives people a glimpse into another um viewpoint of what the gig economy looks like. And um I, what I'd love to do is have you share with the culture factor community that I've created here, how they can reach you. Uh, sure. So um, you can find me on Twitter at Jenna Spinelli, um, LinkedIn at Jay Spinelli, um, 
jennaspinelli.com. I'm sure you'll put all those links in, in the show notes. Um, but I'm always happy to, to connect with folks, uh, and yeah, start to, to build a community or expand on this great community that, that you've already built here with the show, Holly. Thank you so much, Jenna. Thank you for coming on Culture Factor. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'll put everything in the show notes, everybody. Thanks so much.